1: And Jason, you started this trend, All by right. the way, when you took on ESPN, you know. Uh, <laughs> I
2: seriously,
1: appreciate Seriously, like you stood up when no one else would. And and now others are following, but you're the trailblazer here. Trust me.
2: Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy day before Friday. Uh, happy Thursday uh, to you and yours. The weekend is almost here. Uh, we have a awesome show uh, planned for you today, as we try to do every Thursday, Uh, Joe Concha from Fox News uh, is going to join us. Joe writes a column for The Hill as well. Joe is one of the preeminent authorities on the media, and we'll have Joe on to discuss uh, my fire starter here in a a second. Uh, And then uh, the Korean Cosell, Steve Kim, will be here. Uh, We'll talk about uh, the Lakers' Winning Time uh, fiction on HBO. Uh, Kevin Durant is in a funk, and the Brooklyn Nets are off to a horrible start in the NBA playoffs. Uh, Devin Booker and the Phoenix Suns, uh, Chris Paul has the worst luck, I think, in the NBA. They had the best record uh, all season and and were clearly the best team. And now Devin Booker uh, is out of game three and four. Uh, That could be really problematic for the Phoenix Suns. That series uh, tied one-to-one, so we'll talk about that. Uh, And Mike Tyson has punched someone on a plane. I don't know how I feel about it. I need more details. We'll talk about that with Steve Kim. Uh, Shamika Michelle will join us. She's looking for some dating advice from Uncle Jimmy. I think she went out on a bad date last night, and she wants to talk it over with... uh, Uncle Jimmy that should be interesting uh, and we'll do an approval rating with Uncle Jimmy on my Firestarter starter topic uh, how many of you have seen the movie Zoolander uh, Zoolander was uh, a Ben Stiller movie uh, about basic male models and and there, Ben Stiller was the lead character Derek Zoolander he was three time male model of the year and and The movie's kind of homoerotic or whatever. That's part of the humor of the movie. I think the movie came out in 2001 uh, when you could still do that type of humor. You probably couldn't do Zoolander uh, now. Uh, But uh, Derek Zoolander was actually used as a double agent, a spy, being brainwashed, I think, to kill, if I remember right, the prime minister of Malaysia. Yeah, I, I bring up Zoolander and <laughs> and Ben Stiller in that movie because have you seen the picture of the editor of the New York Times, the new executive editor of the New York Times? His name is Joseph Kahn. He's the son of one of the co-founders of Staples. Uh, he's 57 years old. He's As you can see from the picture there, he's a white male. Uh, He's what they call, I think, and again, I'm not up on all these new updated terms, but I think he's cisgender. Uh, He's married uh, to a woman from China, I believe. Shannon Wu, I think, is her name. Uh, He he made his name uh, reporting in China for years, first for the Dallas Morning News, then I think for the Wall Street Journal, and then for the New York Times. He's been at the New York Times for a while, and he has ascended to the throne of the New York Times. And whoever the editor of the New York Times is is a big deal in corporate media, the New York Times is allegedly the paper of record. It takes itself very, very seriously uh, as the watchdogs of America, allegedly. And he's replacing uh, Dean Baquet, I believe is his name. Uh, I think Dean is half black or he passes as black. And so the New York Times has had a black editor for the last five, six, seven years. Uh, and now they have a privileged heir to billions of dollars, Ivy League educated, globalist, Who's lived in China uh, for a significant part of his adult life to the point he married a woman from China? Uh, And so I think this whole photo display thing that we saw in New York magazine and he's profiled. And and if we yeah, let's circle back to, (laughs) to that image. They got this dude shoes off. Uh, spread out on the floor with the newspaper like he's some sort of Instagram model where they come hither look. And I think they're doing this because they want to distract. And again, the New York Magazine isn't, that's a different op- operation than the New York Times, but they're doing this to distract from the fact that the New York Times. The protectors of diversity, inclusion, and equity—the most diverse newspaper in the world—and uh, you know the, the the creators of the 1619 Project—and and they're all about affirmative action and a quota system, huh? In 2022, they replace a black guy with one of the most white privileged people in the world. This guy was born into billions. His dad started Staples, the office supply chain. This guy, this guy according to the New York Magazine, and, and I think they talked to Gay Talese, the, the journalist forever, he says that Joe Khan is worth more money than the owners of the New York Times. That's who they chose in 2022, uh, just two years after uh, the tragic death of that great American icon and hero and social justice activist, uh, George Floyd. Uh, Just two years after the death of St. George Floyd, the New York Times is going to be led by a heterosexual white man born into billions of dollars who's a globalist who has lived abroad for a significant portion of his adult life. This is Zoolander too. They got an Instagram model who, in my view, given all the time he spent in China, he got the job because the America's newspaper of record is more concerned about China and making sure our coverage of China and China's approach to life is fair and balanced and equitable. America's news, and again, this is what uh, many of us have a problem with corporate media. It's, and particularly corporate elite media like the New York Times. They could care less. They couldn't care less about the average American working person. What does Joe Kahn have in common with a factory worker in Milwaukee? A coal miner in Pittsburgh, a small business owner in Indianapolis. The mailman in Iowa, the construction worker in Idaho, the barbecue uh, barbecue restaurant owner in Texas. This guy was born into incredible wealth, sent to a private school as a kid, educated at the elite Ivy League universities that America has, then shipped off to China to cover the world from a Chinese perspective. What does he have in common with anybody, with 99.9% of the people here in America? Nothing. And they want to distract from that their detachment from America. They just put a global, elitist, privileged white man in charge of the New York Times. Now they'll rail against white privilege and white men every day of the week, but they won't tell you that when it came time for them to pick a leader, that's exactly who they chose. And in order to distract from that and get everyone talking, hey, uh, Joe, we need you to pose uh, for this picture. Have you seen the movie Zoolander? Yeah, we we, want to pose you like you're one of these supermodels from Zoolander. Have you seen that, Joe? We want you to be Derek Zoolander. We want you to be Ben Stiller. This, again, this is one of the most, and I watched the movie this morning. I was... Somewhat unfamiliar with it, so I watched it this morning to familiarize myself. There couldn't be a more homoerotic movie than Zoolander. It's a comedy. And so they pose up the editor of the New York Times to distract you from the fact, look who's running the New York Times. This is fascinating and it speaks to where the global elites want to take this country. They don't care about America. America's newspaper of record hired someone whose career has been defined by China, not his coverage of America. They hired a global citizen to run America's newspaper of record. Plenty to read into here. It is no accident. And this is my problem with all of these global elites that I've been talking about on this show, talking about Nike, talking about LeBron James, talking about all of them, all the global corporations. They're shorting America. They're betting on China. They like China's Authoritarian rule. They like the way the Chinese Communist Party operates. Big business thinks that system serves big business best. If you understand America's journey and narrative, capitalism serves the small business owner, serves competition. But if everything is Walmart, if everything, and again, we're, we've been destroying, annihilating small business owners for 50 years now, and now everything is Starbucks, it's some chain that can be exported everywhere. And the mom and pop burger shop doesn't have a chance against McDonald's and all the other global corporations. And so the globalists and their corporations, they prefer communism. They prefer socialism. They deserve, they prefer a system that favors elites, a small handful of elites. There, again, you sit up and listen to all the people that spend every day complaining about America and America's racially oppressive and it's designed to blah, blah. There's more economic mobility in America, more people moving from poverty to the middle class to wealth in America than any place on the globe. Our system has worked. If you, the reason why I complain about this mentality that has infected America and all this uh, negative propaganda about America and how the system is rigged and you can't make it, that's not what I grew up believing and or experiencing. I came from nothing. My story is not common in other countries. My dad. Didn't graduate high school. My mother was a factory worker. I was able to go to college and move up the economic ladder. My brother joined the Air Force, got his college degree, moved up the economic ladder. You can't do that in these other countries. In these other countries, people like Joe Kahn move up. The people born into wealth, born into an elite status. Joe Kahn doesn't care about you or me. The New York times doesn't care about you or me. The New York times is for elites. And again, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but I'm just trying these people that Oh, we're about diversity, inclusion We're going to make everything equitable and fair. For who? For other elites? For the people that can get into these Ivy League, Harvard schools? I couldn't do that. No one wanted me. Academically. And a small handful of schools wanted me to come play football for them. But I was no elite. Me and my father were living in a 400-square-foot, one-bedroom apartment in the hood in 1984. Wasn't no Ivy League schools, hey Jay, come on, and then we're gonna send you overseas uh, to have a career overseas. Nobody was doing that. So, this is Zoolander two. This is and a little bit the other comparison, uh, just for fun, is uh, George Costanza in in Seinfeld. I, don't, I don't, you guys remember the episode where I think <laughs> there's some woman that worked at a photo developing store and and George I think thought she she passed him. It was in some sort of accident. George thought. She passed him a picture of herself in some kind of negligee, and so Kramer ended up taking a bunch of pictures of George Costanza in his underwear posing, and the the <laughs> the pictures got developed, and uh, the woman that he was trying to hit on let a gay black dude actually develop them. Anyway, it you guys remember Seinfeld better than I do, but uh, yeah, that's that's Joe Khan. <laughs> as George Costanza. That, that's what that's what we're serving up now as the editor of, of America's newspaper of record. A guy posing in his office like he's some inst like he's uh, Brent Brittany Renner bundle of Brittany or whoever the most popular Instagram model is today. Uh, anyway, I'm going to bring on uh, Joe Concha to talk about this one of the best experts on the corporate media and the media in general, he works for Fox News, uh, but before they, we do that, I want to tell you about my good friends at Good Ranchers. Uh, the summer is quickly approaching, and our friends over at Good Ranchers are here to help provide the great food that is needed to have a great time. They will provide the best beef that's been grass-fed and grain-finished, better than organic chicken, and high-quality seafood that your local grocery store can't compete with. Good Ranchers only sources and sells 100% American meat. You order it, and they send it right to your door. It's just that simple. And guess what? You can beat inflation with Good Ranchers. Once you subscribe, your best price is locked in for life. Get your $30 discount on prime steaks and better than organic chicken. Go to GoodRanchers.com slash fearless to save on the quality you've been looking for. Use my promo code fearless and enjoy your box of 100% American meat and your $30 savings. Order now to combat inflation with Good Ranchers. American meat delivered. You guys know I love Good Ranchers. You know I want all my fearless soldiers uh, to be eating Good Ranchers, uh, support the people that support you, me, and our way of life. All right, Joe Concha. Welcome. Welcome back. Uh, I can't wait to talk with this next guest about what I just ranted and raved about in my Firestarter. Uh, Joe Kahn, the New York Times new editor and his Uh, I'm I'm sorry, I'm going to call it homoerotic uh, photo spread in New York Magazine. Uh, Joe Concha, a Fox News contributor, columnist for The Hill, uh, follows the media uh, extremely closely, one of the best experts on the media. Uh, Joe, I just argued that this photo shoot for Joe Kahn is like a smokescreen for the fact that he is what the left would call a privileged, heterosexual, white male, Uh, his father's billionaire, co-founded Staples, he's an heir to all that money. Perhaps he has more money as the executive editor of the New York Times than the Scholzberg family that owns the New York Times. Uh, I, I think they did this photo shoot because he doesn't fit their diversity, inclusion, and equity agenda. And so they want to present him as, well, maybe he's LGBT or he's certainly (laughs) LGBT friendly. Am I going too far? Is that is that a QAnon conspiracy that this is all to distract from the fact that The New York Times just hired a very rich, privileged white male to lead its organization?
1: Now, Jason, you you just made me think, because I didn't see that when I originally saw this. I looked at this and thought George Costanza, right? There's a famous Seinfeld uh, (laughs) episode with Jason Alexander posing similar way that Joe Khan is. And by the way, I need to make this very clear, all right? The people tweeting at me, I am not Joe Khan, all right? I am Joe Khan Cha, all right? I still have a full head of hair (laughs) and I do eat a cheeseburger once in a while, unlike this guy, looks like a Pilates instructor uh, with this whole thing. But yeah, I mean, the New York Times is supposed to be woke. It's supposed to be next generation. We remember what happened uh, not too long ago to an editor over there. Uh, last name is Bennett. First name is escaping me right now. But he James. Published. James Bennett. Thank you, Jason. That's why you're the host. and I'm the clueless guest. Uh, yeah. James Bennett. <laughs> and what happened with him? Well, Tom Cotton, all right, is a Republican senator. He writes in the summer of 2020. That's when all the rioting was going on, all the looting, American cities on fire. And he says at the time that maybe it's a good idea that when these things get out of control, that we send in the National Guard, right? And for publishing that op-ed, which polls showed at the time the country is basically split on split on as far as sending in the National Guard or not, he got fired for that. He was ousted. This guy was there for 20 years and won a Pulitzer and he was gone. And the executive editor at the time, Dean allowed it to happen, spearheaded it because the newsroom said he had to go because they disagreed with his point of view. So instead of debating him on it or disagreeing with it uh, and writing maybe a counter op-ed, uh, no, that guy had to go. So this is the New York Times in its current form. quite frankly, it's always been very, very liberal. It drives me crazy, Jason, when people call it the paper of record as like, this is the pinnacle of journalism. And all I know is if you haven't endorsed a Republican presidential candidate since 1956, all right, that's a pretty long time. That means you endorse the likes of Mondale and John Kerry and Michael Dukakis. Uh, If that's who you supported or Jimmy Carter going for a second term, uh, then you're pretty much out of touch with America. And that's the New York Times right there. That Photo is a microcosm of elitism, and maybe it is to placate all the people in that newsroom who want to show that no, this guy is just like you. Ignore his color.
2: Well, I I'm gonna tell you the other thing, and again, I'm going full tinfoil hat, and I don't care if people complain <laughs> about it. But but I read the whole New York magazine story, start to finish, yeah. went back and reread some paragraphs, and and what they were trying to, the other thing they're trying to cover up, honest to goodness, because he's such a cookie cutter, privileged elite, you know, Harvard educated, uh, again, comes from tremendous wealth. Uh, but, but the other thing that, that it's like the, the paper of record, America's paper of record is now being led by someone whose journalism career was defined by the many years he spent in China covering the Chinese government and covering Chinese culture. He's married to a woman from China. And and I just find this fascinating that America's paper of record in this time has said, you know what who we need as a leader? A, a, A super wealthy elite who is an expert on China, has spent many years living in China, reporting on China, I find that fascinating, and, and I think it's part of the, the New York Times is another group of people that I think is placing its bet on China. I, I think the globalists and, and the, the, the New World Order people prefer China over America, and the New York Times has installed a China expert as their leader. Interesting. I I wonder, Jason, then, are we going to start seeing the scathing
1: op-eds against the Chinese Communist Party, against that government, as far as where this coronavirus came from that's killed, what, 5 million people worldwide, more than a million people in this country? Can we finally start to see some journalism around this, some curiosity as far as, did it really come from the fact that a bat made it with a monkey uh, near a wet market and boom, out popped a virus, or... You know, I think John Stewart said it best. Uh, You know, if a chocolate outbreak uh, happened in Hershey, Pennsylvania, where's the first place you would look to see where the chocolate outbreak originated? I don't know, maybe the chocolate factory, or in this case, maybe the lab that literally studies coronaviruses. Maybe there. So, Boy, I hope that this China expert is going to explore that. But of course, we know that's not going to happen. And the New York Times will continue to ignore what is the biggest story of our lifetimes. And by the way, if we don't know where this came from, then you can look forward to COVID-25 and COVID-29 and all these other COVIDs happening if we don't know how to stop this thing. So he needs to obviously prioritize that. It won't happen. And he was also hired, by the way, because he ran the digital end of the New York Times. And that's been the most profitable part of the newspaper. The problem is, though, it was profitable under the Trump years, like everybody else profited from the ratings and the clicks with the anti-Trump vitriol. And now that Trump's gone, everybody's struggling. Boy, did everybody suddenly get bad at their jobs? Or was he the guy who drove all of that? It's like watching The Sopranos without Tony Soprano. Are you really gonna watch anymore? Are you really gonna read anymore? And that's what's happening with these publications in places like CNN, whose streaming service is doing great, by the way, and
2: uh, MSNBC, Jason. Well, that CNN is my next topic. I'm gonna to update your analogy, though. It's like, I don't know if you've seen the show Billions, but Bobby Axelrod left the star right. of Billions, yeah. and this Michael Prince, I think, and it's no good anymore without Bobby Axelrod. Axelrod. Uh, but right. the CNN Plus thing uh, you just brought up, this thing lasted a month, a month. and And I'm wondering if we should uh, be inspired or think like, Hey, is this the end of woke journalism? Are we starting to see the collapse of woke journalism? Because the, 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 over the Trump years, it didn't matter if you failed, if you lost money, something we were going to keep printing money. And George Soros was going to keep spending money. Uh, but now it looks like, Oh, the, these things actually have to make business sense. People actually have to subscribe and, and, yeah. and uh, like your content, uh, should we be at all optimistic that CNN Plus has failed and that people have actually acted on that failure and stopped it? Well, Jason, in the same week, right? Netflix, just yesterday,
1: announces that they're gonna lose 2 million subscribers in the second quarter of this year, lose 2 million. They're, they're expected to add subscribers. And I wonder if the content on there, which used to be great, right? Uh, House of Cards kind of kicked off the whole thing uh, and it was politically incorrect and, and some of their programming was fearless, but now uh, the Obamas are producing content and it's just so woke in terms of every show that you watch. Uh, if it isn't completely diverse and checks off every box, uh, then then they're not going to greenlight it, right? So Netflix is really struggling, and then CNN Plus, you mentioned it. I, I guess I'm seeing a pattern now. Uh, as far as uh, Jamil Hill, right, who worked for ESPN and Sports Center, and then once they named her a co-anchor, those ratings tanked, and now she's out of there. And then she joins CNN Plus, and doesn't even last, as you say, three Scaramucci's, right? About 30 days does uh, CNN Plus last? Uh, and Rex Chapman, obviously, they signed too, because boy, he says snarky things on the internet. He'll be great on TV. It's it's just stupid. I don't know how else to put it, but there was no thinking that went into this because CNN, you got to figure they have about 600,000 people watching them a day. I mean, if you put that in context for a second, look at it this way. Fox, where, where I work, we average in prime time anyway, close to three million. So CNN, despite being around for 40 something years, all this brand name uh, advantages uh, is, is barely drawing more than networks like the Hallmark Channel, I'm not, that's not hyperbole, they really are getting outranked and outrated by uh, the Hallmark Channel at this point. And it's because they went from being a network that kind of like a spare tire in the car, when your tire goes out, you trust it, right? When there's an international incident or some big news, you will go to the spare tire, you will go to CNN. And even during a war, they can't draw anybody anymore, because they decided like everybody else, let's pick a side and present opinion as fact, let's share our feelings. If you're Jim Acosta Don Lemon or Jay Tapper, they made themselves the story. And again, just like we talked about when Trump went away, the ratings went away and then they had the audacity to think that people are actually gonna pay to watch CNN stars like Brian Stelter. uh, When obviously people are like, what are you kidding me? I won't watch it for free. Why am I gonna pay for it, Jason?
2: So they have new ownership and it looks like we're we're in an era where there are perhaps consequences to these mistakes that a lot of media companies ha- have made. Uh, do you th- do you think this will continue? Should we feel a bit hopeful?
1: Maybe. I mean, the guy coming in, uh, Chris Litt, right? He he is actually um, or Lex, excuse me, I pronounced that wrong. He comes from. Stephen Colbert's show. He was the executive producer of Colbert on CBS, which is one of the most partisan vitriolic shows you'll see, and it's supposed to be comedy, right? So if that's the track record, and he was with MSNBC before that, why should I believe that they're going to go back to the CNN that I watched growing up during the Gulf War and the great Bernard Shaw, right? Uh, I, I, I just don't feel hopeful, particularly with an election coming up midterms and then 2024, that they're just not going to go back and do the same thing they did in 2016 and 2020, which is try to prop up one candidate and Boyd do we regret that now? Not maybe scrutinizing Joe Biden a little bit more, his record, his past, uh, the way he's been acting, uh, just because Donald Trump had to get ousted. Uh, we didn't bother scrutinize, scrutinizing the guy that replaced him. Uh, I, I, I have no hope, actually, because why would I? Considering everything we just talked about, New York Times, CNN, Washington Post, right? You saw what Terrell Lorenz did in doxing. The uh, the owner of Libs of TikTok actually goes to a relative's house to find out who's this mysterious person behind this Twitter account. That's what journalism has become. It's no longer journalism and that ism, it's activism, that ism, Jason.
2: Joe, appreciate the time. I mean, you said a mouthful. I could even sit here and talk about Colbert and what Gutfeld is doing to the nighttime uh, talk scene and and comedy scene. He's kicking their butts. And so I'm hoping we're living in the era right now of consequences because I think the Democratic Party knows come November, they're gonna deal with some consequences and maybe it's spooking the rest of the media. Thank you for the time, Joe, really appreciate it. And Jason,
1: you started this trend,
2: by the way, when you took on ESPN, you know? uh,
1: (laughs) I appreciate it. Seriously, like you stood up when no one else would and and now others are following, but you're the trailblazer here, trust me, as a media expert,
2: I can say that. (laughs) Thank you, Joe, appreciate it. All right, uh, throughout the whole world, The leading cause of death is abortion. In the US, murder has become a wholesale business since Roe v. Wade. We've killed over 63 million children. Nearly 25% of pregnant mothers do not choose life. The Ministry of Preborn and Blaze Media are partnering to help rescue 50,000 babies from abortion in 2022. Preborn is the direct competition to Planned Parenthood and the largest provider of free ultrasounds in the US. When you let a woman see her baby on the ultrasound and hear the heartbeat, she is 80% more likely to choose life for her baby. And when the mother chooses life, Preborn provides maternity and baby clothes, diapers, car seats, counseling, and much more free of charge. Preborn has a passion to save unborn babies from abortion and see women come to Christ. Over the past 15 years, preborn centers have saved 188,000 babies. Will you help rescue babies' lives? To donate, dial pound 250 and say keyword baby. That's pound 250, keyword baby, or go to preborn.com/fearless. Look, we got to support these guys. We got to stick with our values and our beliefs. Please support preborn. Uh, they are in the fight for real. And help these women uh, get through this journey and and, and and support these women through this journey of, of having a baby. And, and it's just not, hey, get them to have a baby and then walk away. Preborn born actually pri- uh, provide support throughout the entire process. Be a good, fearless soldier. This is how you be, this is how you execute being fearless. You support the sponsors that support your values. Please support preborn.com slash fearless. All right, uh, stick around. Uncle J, no, I'm sorry, Steve Kim, the Korean co X.
3: All right, welcome
2: back. Time for some Korean Cosell and talk a little sports. Uh, Cosell, Steve Kim, I just told these guys uh, that I wasn't going to ask you about uh, Joe Kahn and the New York Times deal. I'm not, but if you had something clever you wanted to say about it, I did want to give you the opportunity to get it off your chest uh, before I asked you some of these more sports-related questions.
3: Yeah, I think one of the, the questions on the rundown that was handed to me is woke media dead. I, I'm going to say this. CNN Plus, I'm going to call that Tyson Sphinx because it literally lasted 91 seconds. Poof, first <laughs> fell wrong and knocked out. It's over with. And, and then you look at Bomani Jones, whose ratings are incredibly low. You know, I was thinking about this, and I've read the articles about how much of the audience Bomani Jones loses from a really good lead-in from John Oliver. Think about this, Jay. Think about having Bomani Jones as your lead-in. That's like having a leadoff hitter that hits 125 and never draws a walk. And Bomani Jones always talks about white privilege. I was really thinking about the arc of Bomani Jones' career and the track record. He is now officially the rich co-tight of media members (laughs) because he's now that white coach that gets retreaded and gets job after job for, like, 30 years. They're never on winning teams, but they're always respected. They always get hired to so their Kevin Lockery, their Stan Alback, their Paul Hackett. I'm sure it gave you nightmares. So now, Bomani Jones is officially the black, white coach of media. So hopefully this is a trend that the American <laughs> public is speaking out by not tuning in.
2: Look, you just went around three or four different blocks to <laughs> to make to slaughter Bomani Jones People are going to think that I knew you were going to do that. No, no, Uh, no, no, no. And and Tidra, I literally just told I said, they just asked, are you going to ask him about Joe Kahn and New York Times? (laughs) And I told him no. And then as we started up the segment, I was like, ah, who knows? Maybe Steve has something clever he wants to say. And then you avoid Joe Kahn and the New York Times. You talk about uh, CNN, and then you turn that into Bobani Jones, who's on HBO. But... I'm going to keep it moving and talk about HBO. (laughs) Uh, Jerry West, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, everybody's upset with HBO about this Winning Time uh, documentary that has been completely fictionalized. Uh, I'm not surprised that it's been fictionalized because, look, no one's complaining about the book written by Jeff Perlman, but... uh, I always have believed Jeff Perlman plays loose with the facts. And so to see anybody do a movie based off one of his books, I'm not shocked that they would be even looser with the facts Mm. than the guy that wrote the book.
3: Uh, Jason Whitlock, Domus, I must give you credit six weeks ago. I said, Hey Jason, why don't you watch this show so we could talk about it? And you said, uh, well, what, what's the book about? Who would it written? And I said, about well, Jeff Perlman. And you literally said, man, I ain't watching that spit. Because you basically stated that when it comes to sports writing, he's Stephen King. He engages in a lot of fiction, well-written fiction, but fiction nonetheless. And it was very evident from the first show on that they were going to smear uh, anyone white. And even with the black characters, to be fair, they were going to harp on their worst natural instincts and worst traits as a human being, which I think is very, very unfair. And what they are doing to the logo, Jerry West, is absolute slander. And I know people like Doug Krikorian. I sent you his article that he kind of penned up, giving his thoughts. Some background on Doug Krikorian. He is a legendary sports columnist in L.A., worked for the uh, Herald Examiner. That's where he really cut his bones. And then later, the Long Beach Press-Telegrams. He's had numerous dinners with Jerry West at Phil Traney's, the legendary spot, which is the Tuch Shore of Southern California. Other people that know Jerry West intimately are absolutely offended by this portrayal. And I'm just wondering, is this their way of saying, hey, we're going to create more white guilt and all this other stuff? But even the portrayal of Magic Johnson, I think, is very unfair. They make it sound like he's this horrible human being. Yeah, I get it. He had stuff thrown at him, if you know what I mean. Okay, he had a lot of opportunities and he took them. But I never thought he was a very fractured person in terms of being a bad person. There's this one scene, Jason, that you're going to laugh at. Before Magic ever plays a game with the Lakers, he's at this party and him and Norm Nixon in the middle of the party dressed to the nines are playing a one on one game of basketball. I I called BS on that immediately. They also do a a terrible job. I think in just like really ripping Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, we all, no matter what we think of his political uh, statements now, look, he was a brooding athlete. He was a little bit cynical about the whole thing of sports being that important. And he was to himself and he was an intellectual. They, they were so wrong in this. In the first game he ever played with magic, he hits that 15 foot skyhook to win the game and everyone hugs him. Hot Rod Hundley for CBS does an interview with them. And on the HBO series, All he said was, glaring at Hot Rod, Salam Alaikum, or Salaam salam, and he walks off. I actually saw highlights of that game where they showed the interview. Kareem did not give a long interview, but he was very courteous, and he was respectful. He answered every question, and then he walked away. And and if you can't get those base facts correct, it loses credibility. But, Jason, to wrap it up, I don't know what it says about me. I'm watching every episode because I'm actually intrigued by the whole damn thing.
2: Well, I think it says a lot about HBO and HBO was a network that from The Wire to even Six Feet Under to obviously The Sopranos, uh, that was the destination network that like, trust it, just I'm keeping it a thousand percent real. When Bill Simmons got a show on HBO, you talk about jealous and like, man, that's what <laughs> I always wanted. I've had conversations with the people at HBO about doing a show. Now, though, <laughs> I, I, I find uh, HBO worthless. And, and you know, Bill Maher on Friday nights I enjoy. But, you know, I don't think their shows are nearly as cutting edge or as good. It's like David Simon, the creator of The Wire, has a new show coming out on HBO, and look, it may have started April 15th, I think, maybe. Mm. Uh, it, it's some new series about, well, I'm not watching it because I don't trust HBO with the truth anymore. Uh, and, and so I'm not shocked that this documentary is yeah. a hot mess. I think all of these <laughs> networks are, are, are horrible, these woke networks, and it, it, it segues me into Netflix, a network, mm. a streaming network that I initially liked and loved. And and you go back to Bloodline, I love that. Uh, House of Cards, I love the first four or five seasons of that. Making a Murderer, I remember sitting on my couch for I don't know how many straight hours watching the original Making a Murderer. Uh, But now, I still have the subscription, but I actively avoid Netflix, and now they got a series coming out, he's expecting. Ugh. He's expecting, Ugh. and it's a story about a pregnant man, uh, or, uh, I don't they, <laughs> they've, and, and their stock, they're gonna lose two million subscribers, their stock is tanking. Uh, I don't know, do you have any thoughts about Netflix?
3: Yeah, one last, well, here's the thing, People used to Netflix and chill. I I guess now they just chill. And when when, there comes a point of when you cross the line so many times that the audience, in my view, does develop a conscience and that, you know, shows like that 10 years ago would have been so unusual. Now you're inundated with this messaging or what other calls grooming that is so out in front of your face and so repetitive and so regular and, and there's no other counter-messaging. You know, I think it'd be okay maybe if Netflix had another division devoted to true family shows with family values, right? But they don't. It always seems to be one direction. And I can't lie to you. As an Asian, when I saw that cover for He's Expecting, I cringed. I cringed for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why, but um, Jason, I, I've actually – not gone on this big streaming thing. I'm still a guy that has cable TV. As you And look, it shouldn't surprise you with what's in the background here, VHS tapes. But I, I kind of just, <laughs> believe it or not, my viewing for the most part nowadays actually revolves mostly around YouTube and certain content creators that I enjoy on a daily basis that more or less align with my beliefs. And I think this is the thing that Netflix has to realize. Ten years ago, they were the renegade, right? The choices still were not as great. Now with everyone having the ability to be a content creator like you've become and you decided to start your own division within a network, now you better understand that the audience has even more choices than they did back in 2010 to 2012.
2: Uh, Let's talk a little just straight up hoops. Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. Brooklyn Nets, Boston Celtics. Kevin Durant has been awful uh, in the first two games of this series. The Nets are down 0-2. I, I, I don't want to focus all the blame on Kevin Durant. I actually want to give credit to the Boston Celtics. They are long and athletic, and I think uh, the defense, they're playing on Kevin Durant is a problem for durant i don't expect him to fix that this series i you know i he's taking the blame and says he's got to get better. I, i don't think kevin durant moves without the ball enough uh you know i think at this stage in his career he needs to employ a little bit more reggie miller and use screens and things like that to help get easy shots he tends to you know get the ball and he and Kyrie go one-on-one or whatever, I don't think that's going to work for Kevin Durant against the Boston Celtics. I, I, you know, I don't, you know, it's easy to say now they're down 0-2, but even with Ben Simmons, I think, scheduled to come back on Monday for game four, to not come back, but just emerge and play in game four. Uh. I I just, and I know it's not a provocative, but I, I just don't see the Nets digging themselves out of this.
3: Ben Simmons makes things worse because he disrupts the offense. Jason, you know what's worse than a guy that hogs the ball and shoots too much is a guy that absolutely refuses to take open shots. And you don't realize it until you see it. And and with Ben Simmons, now you're playing four on five in the half court. I'm not so sure that's exactly the Alka-Seltzer to this stomach ache. And when Kevin Durant struggles, and he doesn't struggle a lot, is when he starts to just pound the ball into the floor, seven, eight, nine, ten dribbles, and the four other guys are watching, that becomes a real problem. And if you're going to do that, you better have the ability or the willingness to take it to the rim once in a while and get aggressive and get hit with playoff basketball. And that was the greatness of Michael Jordan. That's why when people said, well, Durant's a better scorer than Jordan, I used to blanch at that. But putting that aside... Can we now rewrite the history of Kevin Durant as a Golden State Warrior? Maybe Steph Curry was actually or is pretty damn good. Because what are we going to say in five to ten years if Curry's able to win another ring or two, and then all of a sudden this other tall, lean guy in Brooklyn is ringless in his career the rest of his life what are we going to really say because there was always this belief that Steph Curry was just a role player he was part of the system he caught lightning in a bottle um Steph Curry's production is still pretty damn good from what I understand it and it was supposed to be this in the final chapter of Kevin Durant's NBA career that I led a team as the clear number one doesn't look like it's happening this season Jason
2: Well, look, man, we may not have to wait long to have that conversation because of what has happened with the Phoenix Suns in terms of Devin Booker's injury. And now the Pelicans actually have a shot. That series is 1-1. And, and, you know, I sit there and I feel bad for Chris Paul. He had the best team last year, couldn't get it done. He clearly has the best team this year. Devin Booker goes down, going to miss game three and four they could fall down in this series 1-3 uh, and, and not be able to get back up. And if that happens, that opens a door for the Golden State Warriors and Steph Curry this year uh, to perhaps get another championship, and we're having that conversation. But when you think about what's going on with Phoenix – I feel sorry for Chris Paul. Yeah, he's not the most popular guy. There's a lot of people that that you know think he's a jerk. I, I hear from them, but <laughs> I like him. I think he plays really hard. I think he's the Isaiah Thomas without championships of, of this era. I've been rooting for him, and and obviously love Monty Williams, great <laughs> coach and great ambassador for people with Christian beliefs. Uh, you know, my number one feeling is like, man, Chris Chris Paul can't catch a break.
3: Let's, you know, a couple of days ago, you referenced a Flintstone character as to the hairstyle of Colin Kaepernick. Well, I'm going to raise your Flintstone character. Chris Paul is schlep rock. I, th- th- you're right. It, it, he's absolutely a mush, and this goes all the way back. Let's take a look at this from a 360 degree perspective. He should have been a Laker. Kobe's last year's as a player, should have been much better because him and Chris Paul could have been a deadly, deadly backcourt with Pau Gasol anchoring the front line. Okay, so that doesn't happen. Then he goes to the Clippers, loaded young roster, and the one series that I do place blame on him for, they were up on the Houston Rockets, I believe, in the semifinals of the Western Conference playoffs, three games to one. They had an 18-point lead in the second half of a closeout game at home and they blew it. That could have been a special run, and then you saw what happened last year. They, I think they had a 2-0 lead on the Bucks. and I'm thinking, oh, my God, Sisyphus is finally going to get that boulder up to the hill. And he's going to push it over, and then it didn't happen. Uh, there are certain players are just cursed. It, it reminds me, you talk about Isaiah Thomas, who was able to win two titles and get the three NBA finals. He had an incredible team. Uh, that 89 89- 90 Detroit Pistons team, I think is one of the deepest rosters I've ever seen. They probably went about nine deep and quality guys that Chuck Daly could shuffle in and out this here kind of reminds me of John Stockton who had a great running mate in uh, the mailman. But unfortunately there was a guy by the name of Jordan who literally kept a whole generation of players from Patrick Ewing, David Robinson be- before he retired uh, Jordan from winning a title. And I just get the sense that it's now or never, because Paul is still very, very productive. But for a guard to even be as this good as he is late into his career truly is the anomaly, Jason.
2: Uh, let's move to your area of real <laughs> ultimate expertise: <laughs> boxing. Ugh. Mike Tyson has beat up someone on a plane. Uh, I, <sighs> I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it uh i i I, there the story is the passenger was annoying mike tyson and and bothering him it may have been liquored up i still say as the celebrity and as a guy that ex-con or whatever mike can't let anybody provoke him uh you know i wasn't there i don't know what happened i don't know what was said but let's play i think we have the video let's let's play the video uh, and then I want your breakdown on who should we blame. This is George talking to Mike Tyson, bro.
4: This shit crazy, bro. Mike Tyson. <laughs> my dog done got lit, man. He over here rapping with
1: Tyson.
4: Mike Tyson trying to give us some shrooms. You <laughs> don't know how to act. Tyson looking out, man. This <laughs> shit crazy. He should have never gave you money. Peasants. They're peasants. <laughs> uh. oh. Hey, hey,
2: hey, hey.
3: Hey, Mike. Mike,
4: come on. Let's go stop back Let's go man. JetBlue met flight. And boy just got beat up by Mike Tyson. Turn that way. Yeah, he got up. Just trying to ask for an autograph, man. I don't know what happened.
3: Oh, <laughs> all right. Can I can I have a few minutes? Can I have a few minutes?
2: Go ahead. Okay, number. Go ahead. Number
3: one, I, I blame the airline. Uh, you go to first class to avoid that, and where were the airline stewardesses, if for lack of a better term, or the attendants, to say, "Hey, hey buddy, back off." Second of all, second of all, I give the guy credit. He took more legitimate shots from Mike Tyson than Bruce Seldon did. Uh, number three. <laughs> um, Mike should be with the bodyguard. I can tell you of a situation I had with Mike. This is October of 2013, Jason. I remember this night very well because I had I missed my flight from Denver to L.A. So I had to go to Denver to Las Vegas. And on a Sunday night, I was coming back from a fight involving Ruslan Travodnikov and Mike Alvarado. It took place in Denver. So they took me on a standby to Las Vegas. And I'm thinking, Las Vegas on a Sunday to get a standby to L.A., you are really playing against the house. You're not going to get it. So I'm waiting for my flight, and I'm already making plans to spend the night at a friend's house and to watch the Colts play the Broncos. That's when Peyton Manning came back to Indianapolis. I see Mike Tyson with the bodyguard behind the booth of Southwest. Now, all my years of boxing, Jason, I had never met or talked to Mike Tyson. So I decided to introduce myself, and I had this in my back pocket. He had done an interview for our website, Max Boxing with one of our staff writers, Gabe Montoya, about Mike Tyson promotions, which he had just started. So I come up to Mike, and I'm actually very nervous. I say, hey, Mike, I'm Steve. He looks at me like, oh, God, not you. I, I don't want – but as soon as I said, Gabe Montoya and Max Boxing, he did a 180. Like, he enjoyed the story, and he's, hey, let's talk a little boxing. But I'm very respectful of, of celebrities. I know everyone pulls at them. So after 5, 10 minutes, I said, Mike, uh, I'm going to let go, man. I really appreciate your time. Five minutes later, he calls me back over to talk more boxing. It was amazing. And then people started noticing. So anyway, the plane loads up, and I'm thinking, oh, God, I'm going to be stuck here at the hotel, motel, Holiday Inn in Las Vegas. They call my name. They had one seat, and I got it. So I'm walking down the ramp. I get into the airplane. I'll never forget. I turn the corner. As soon as Mike sees me, Mike had saved me a seat. He goes, Steve, right here. We got you. And the whole plane's looking at me like, Who's that guy? And because he was going to L.A. to visit the WBC president, Jose Suleiman, who was in very ill health. He wanted to pay his respects. So that was my experience with Mike Tyson. But, Jason, you're a recognizable guy. I think it's neat when people come out and say, hey, we enjoy your show, blah, blah, blah. But imagine if you had to do that 24-7, 365 every single minute of your life. It would get annoying. Can we just leave these people alone once in a while?
2: Love the take. Love the story. I I, I think that guy, alcohol, whatever, <laughs> uh, forgot who Mike Tyson is. And, mm. you know, uh, again, this is a guy that grew up in Brownsville, very tough background. And Mike's done a lot of work. Mike smokes a lot of weed. He's calmed <laughs> down. He's a better person than than previously. But, that Brownsville, that three year stay in Indiana prison, that, that's still Mike Tyson. Well, and and so. I,
3: Jason, I, I, to I, don't, I
2: don't know how this is going to play out.
3: Look, it is still his fault, but uh, to paraphrase Chris Rock, one of his great lines uh, Mike Tyson didn't go crazy. Tyson went Tyson. And people have to understand, <laughs> even though he has completely rehabilitated his image, he went from grizzly bear. To a teddy bear, and he's he's a very courteous person. He, he runs his own podcast, where he makes people very very welcome. And I've seen him in other public settings, and it, it, it's like a fishbowl. And but he's still a bear, you know. When I don't even like going to zoos, I don't even like being around wild animals because there's a realization they could tear my left hand off at, at a blink of a moment, and. I'll give you another example. Uh, Obviously, I know Mario Lopez. We're friends. We actually hang out. And when I go out with him to movies, he is very accommodating. I have never seen him turn down a picture or an autograph. But there are times when he's with his son, and we've been to a few movies, and people will just come up to him. And and it, it has to be a point where you say, wait a minute. Let Mario have his family time. He gives to the public everything he has. But Mario is, the, is an extraordinarily nice individual. He wants to accommodate everybody, but there are times I feel bad for him. Years ago, before cell phones could do selfies, there were times when I'd be ringside at fights, we'd be talking. There were so many instances when people would come up and say, hey, uh, do you think you'd take a picture? I, I literally became unwittingly paparazzi or that stereotypical Japanese tourist on Sunset Boulevard snapping pictures that after a while I told Mario... Unless we're in a private setting at the bar, uh, let's not meet up ringside because I'm not taking 50 photos of you with people I don't know. It's a tough situation being a celebrity nowadays.
2: Steve, great job. Thank you. Uh, We may see you tomorrow. Uh, Go to YouTube.com slash Jason Whitlock. Uh, hit the notifications. Hit the subscribe. Shamika Michelle, Uncle Jimmy, the approval rating.
0: It's my obligation. hate, discrimination. up your hands for freedom.
4: We must exist in a state of man glorious, as we are protected by the red, the white, and the blue. But remember. The mind is the key. The fearless soldier pledges to place God first and foremost in his everyday endeavors of life. We, the fearless army, are one nation under God, indivisible with freedom and a belief in the American dream. The men bold enough to join our movement comprise what we like to call the new dream team. We are leaders of our families, our churches, and And of of this this nation. nation. We reject the seeds of division that are planted by corporate media misinformation. We affirm that all men are created equal and are endowed with inalienable rights, which are granted by our Heavenly Father. We are bound by honor to accept God's challenge, to take the flag and lead, to cherish, to protect, and to nurture the life of our unborn seed. I am a fearless soldier, so shed no tears for me. I am not a victim. I am the man that God made me to be. Amen.
2: All right, welcome back. Uh, It's time for uh, some Shemoke. Smoke. I'm going to preempt Shamika before she uh, gets to her question. I think she's got some dating advice she wants from you. I think I need some advice. Uh, And let's bring in Shamika to this. I have, uh, for the first time in my life, I have on skinny jeans today. Is that what I smell? Yeah. And I can honestly say I think my circulation has been cut off. And, <laughs> and I won't be doing this again. These, these are some jeans I had tucked away. Like, I bought them two or three months ago when I first started losing weight. And I was like, and when I, when I got them, I couldn't wear them. They were too tight. And I was like, oh, OK, I got to lose some more weight. And so today, I put them on. I was like, oh, man, I can wear them. Uh, but this is a mistake. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm losing feeling in my thighs You losing feeling you, you, Hey
4: man listen When you're not used to wearing skinny jeans You lose feeling in more places than your thighs Okay let me just say
2: uh, So Shamik I'm going to toss the ball over to you If you have a comment about me and skinny jeans Keep it to yourself uh, <laughs> If you have If you got a question for Uncle Jimmy go ahead <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, yes, so uh, it seems every time I say something publicly, the enemy comes from my words and have me feeling like, "Must thou tempt me?" But anyway, I said a couple weeks ago that I do not date. My friend, very close friend of mine, we'll just call her "Monkey in the Middle" for to for today, convinced <laughs> me to go on a date. Now, I don't want to get too much into the date because I don't want to be disrespectful. However, I want to talk about something that I'm seeing a lot. And you've touched on this today, uh, Jason, with the New York Times person being real effeminate. I'm seeing a lot of men just be very feminized in how they approach women. So my question for Uncle Jimmy is, if a woman has agreed to go with you to dinner, she's giving you her availability, what is your next step as a man? What would your next step be?
2: Uh, you agreed were- to go out. right? She's told you when she's available to go out. Okay. What's, what's the next step, Jim? Uh, the next
4: step is to finalize this date and tell you where we're going and what we're getting ready to do. Or, I mean, that, that, that's that's the next step. She, she's agreed to go out and I, I need to finalize. it. I need to make a make a decision about what's going on now. It, it be prior to getting up to that point. I'm going to do a couple of little couple of little player things. Right. Because I'm going to rather than me find out where you want to eat. I'm going to find out what you don't like to eat. Okay, because if, if you, oh, I don't eat pork. Well, guess what? We ain't going to get no ribs. Okay? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? I'm going to ask you, well, what's your favorite place where you like to go eat? If she say, oh, I like to go to Applebee's. She say she like to go to Applebee's. I know if I take her to Red Lobster, she going to be in heaven. <laughs> you, you see what I'm saying? So it, 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 it's, it's, it, it goes with the game. Well, what happened with you, Jamaica? Well. <laughs> look at that look. <laughs>
0: It didn't quite go like that. Um, There was, so once I agreed to go out, well, first of all, I agreed to go out before I actually had the chance to talk to him because had I talked to him first, I would have known uh, after the first 16 minutes and 32 seconds of the conversation that he believed the American dream is bullshit. CNN is his favorite Channel to watch, and that women should just do as they please and be free and never have to really consult with their partner because they are women. But anyway, there was a lot of back and forth even after I said this was my availability. There was so are we are, what are your thoughts? What are your plans? I, I don't have any thoughts or plans. I gave you my availability. Now to me, you know, I'm thinking the next step is on him. Finally before I could even get I mean before I could get a concrete plans, I had to finally say After he said, are we going on this date tonight or what? I said, if you have definitive plans, he goes, what does that mean? I said, well, if you're making the plans, yes. If I have to make the plans, no. It was just a lot of back and forth. I felt like. He wasn't really being a man. He wasn't really just giving direction and saying, this is what we're gonna do. And I, I don't like that. I'm not used to that. And I wonder if we've just made men so afraid. Well, the I'm, I'm gonna answer my own question because the answer is no, and I'll tell you why. But I'm wondering if we've made many men so afraid to just take the lead and be in control. I don't understand how a man would think that as a woman, I could believe that he could lead me and direct me if you can't even make a simple date after I've given you my availability. And I know that's not all men, Jason, because I remember when I came to Tennessee in October, you said as a group, we were going out to dinner. You, didn't, you never asked me what I ate. You never said, well, what do you think? You sent out the time and the restaurant. When we got there, You didn't even give me a choice of food. (laughs) Now, I don't think (laughs) you knew that at that time I didn't eat beef. I was only eating seafood for like the last six years. And I know that I could have said, oh, I don't eat uh, beef. And I, I could have gotten something else. But I really wanted to try the steak because the restaurant looked like I should. But you just took you know, you took control and this is what you planned for us and this is what we had for dinner and that's what I like in a man. I don't understand the whole tiptoeing, pussyfooting, wussy, uh, you know, well what What do you like? It was literally like the, the male version of when in coming to America she goes, whatever you like for everything. <laughs> I don't... What is that, and why, why are we here?
4: <laughs> uh, Walk like a dog. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, look <okay. laughs>
2: I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, I, so, you know, was that on, did we have the debate about, I liked coming to America too. I'm the only person in, in America that liked the second one yes. almost as well Definitely as Definitely,
4: you are that guy. Yeah.
2: Uh, yeah. And, you know, I, I may watch that again this weekend, but- Jim, I want to throw it back in in your court in terms of and and just real talk. Okay, let's let's take the jokes for a moment out of it. Right. How do you evaluate how this man handled that situation? And have we reached a point because I think Shamika asked a real question where uh, we're so comfortable second guessing men that. In order to avoid being second-guessed, men have just said, "I'll do it your way." Well, first of all,
4: the thing about this is you've, Shamika's already told us how she feels in her dating. Well, for this gentleman, for this individual, you have to understand you have an opportunity to shoot your shot with this woman, And this is how you did it. You blew it. You didn't handle it, and you didn't do it well. Because this woman, i.e. this black woman, she has a way and an expectation that she wants, that, that, that she wants a man to be a man. And the brothers should have realized, hey, man, here's your opportunity.
2: She, she's giving you the time of day. I'm, Take advantage I'm, I'm of it. Go back to what I said, though, and I'm not trying to defend him. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to explore. Have we reached a point where men feel so second guessed? That they're afraid to make decisions, and it's just it's easier for them just to say, "What do you want to do?" That way, I won't make a mistake. I don't want. To, I, I want this to be a good date. I don't want to upset you.
4: Because you know, what I mean, you take a person to the wrong to the wrong place. You don't want to upset. You trying to you that, that that's that the person's just trying, and you, you're absolutely right. Remember, we came up in the era of sensitivity and a man need to cry. I mean, you can't be mad at that.
2: Because I'll say this to me again. I don't know the guy. I don't know the situation. But, you know, I took you all to a very high-end restaurant. And so I'm very confident, like, well, they got a problem with this. Screw them. Uh, <laughs> and so he may have been asking, trying to figure out what Jim was said he's trying to figure out, like, Okay, is this gonna be a $50 dinner, a $100 dinner, or do I need to bring two, $300? And what are her expectations? Uh, is, is what, you know, and, and so if I'm taking out people that, uh, you know, I like and respect, you know, I, I'm not sitting around worried about the cost. I'm gonna go someplace where I'm gonna be happy. Uh, so at least one person's going to be happy in the restaurant.
4: So Jason, we're also talk- once again, we're telling men about things like chivalry. We're telling them about how to, you know, men have got to realize we don't know what we don't know. And in this instance, I think if we really listen to what Shamika's saying, she's really telling us, hey, fellas, step your game up. This is what I want. And sometimes, man, we just don't know what we don't know. And we like to think that, oh, this girl did Hey, man, sometimes we just don't know.
0: Just make the decision. You know, take, take charge. And for me, it would not have mattered if we were at a $50 restaurant or a $300 restaurant. Once I gave you my availability, like Jimmy said, of course you could see what is it that you don't eat. I don't eat pork. Don't take me to a rib shack. But... I'll find something wherever, you know, I don't have this, oh, you have to spend this amount of money on me. Just make the decision. If you're the man and I've already told you, yes, and I've already given you my availability, your next thing is to do is to make the plan and say, this is what it is. But all the hemming and hawing and being indecisive and not knowing what, that looks very weak. To some women, some women would be happy with that because they feel like, oh, now I have somebody I can control. But if you're a woman that Mm -hmm. don't want that, you want that man to take charge. Once you had that, the ball was in your court. Shoot it or get off the court.
2: Mm. Mm. Dating advice from Shemeika. Shemeika. Mm. We we may turn this into a regular segment. I, I hope
4: I hope all the members of the fearless army was listening to that. You know, serious business. That, that that was some nice advice right there.
2: Thank you, Jamaica. Thank you. I'm
4: sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean for that date to go that bad. I apologize
2: for him. <laughs> <laughs> he had a chance. He blew it, bro. I uh, hope he's not watching. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's get to our approval rating. Uh, on Joe. Oh, you know what, Jim? I did want to ask because I, I did. You see the Mike Tyson video that me and Steve Kim were Man. talking about? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I I argued that Tyson was the bad guy in that situation. You can't in his position. You can't let someone annoy you. you
4: First of all, you do realize that the Mike Tyson that we used to watch in the boxing ring and the Mike Tyson that we see in public now is two different people. Remember when we used to see Mike in the ring, there was rumors that Mike did drugs. Okay? Nowadays it ain't no secret that Mike do drugs. Okay? (laughs) So Mike ain't in his right mind. So you go fooling with Mike Tyson like Mike done been to prison. Hey look, you know what? I can go back to prison and live rent-free. I have nothing about me and all. (laughs) Man, he he deserved to get them knots whooped upside his head. I hope they was worth every click and like he got. Okay? Mm, I'm just saying, he got what he wanted, huh? You wanted his attention? He wanted smoke, he got smoke. Wait a minute. Then then his partner gonna say, all he wanted was an autograph. <laughs> no, you didn't. You wanted smoke.
2: <laughs> he put an autograph on his
4: head. He did <laughs> Come on, man,
2: let's go. Uh Joe Kahn is uh the new editor of the executive editor of the New York Times. He replaces Dean Baquet, who, you know, was some percentage of black Dean Baquet and and they've replaced him with a 57-year-old white guy that comes from billions of dollars, uh, who's a global citizen. Uh, job performance, I'm going right down the middle. I got to see it before I can, what he does as the editor. Uh, so I'm going right down the middle of the 13 in job performance.
4: The man's name is Joe Schmoe? Joe what? Tom. Who the hell is he? When you are nobody and don't even know who your name is and you make it on the cover of New York Magazine, that's a 25 for job performance. Well, there you go.
2: He, he's not a nobody. He's worth billions of dollars. I'm
4: just saying, though. Joe, Hu. There you go. Come on, man.
2: Uh, character. <sighs> you know, he's pulling off a successful marriage. He went all the way over to China and, and got him a wife. Shannon Wu, I think is her name. Uh, so I, I'm going to give him a 16 in character. I give him a 25.
4: Okay? Because any man that poses like this is showing you they true character. He's letting you know. But let me just say this, because you're talking about he he married he married a woman in China. Yeah. Why the hell didn't he stay over in China and pull this crap? <laughs> why didn't he stay over in China and pose on a magazine cover? <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't have it. All right, time. then. So why are you coming over here with that mess?
2: They wouldn't have it in China. Let's go, man. Authenticity. He works for the New York Times, one of the most inauthentic places on the planet. Uh, so I got to knock him down there. So I give him a 14 out of 25.
4: Okay. First of all, any man that poses like that ain't no ain't an ounce of manly authenticity in him. Okay. I give him a zero. Uh,
2: done. You're not real about that. Stop it. Uh, it factor. I th- I got to give him some points for it factor because I don't. If he hadn't posed for this picture, I'm not sure we would even know who he is. Uh, so he did do something. Provocative you know at least he drew the line. He didn't put a dress on yet So I'll give him an eight in it factor.
4: I'm giving him a zero for the very reasons you said this very reason I said earlier. I'm not even gonna act like I know who this man is who the hell is he? Why is he doing these photoshops like this and why did somebody decide that this was so important to put on a magazine? I don't get it. It ain't even
2: a cute picture. I Mean what what was the purpose in doing this Jason? What Compared to George Costanza's photo, not a cute picture. Who, you know, George Costanza. George, I, I understood why George did it. Got a under- check. He was playing a role. There you go. <laughs> well, wait a minute. He getting a check, too. <laughs> he is. Yes, All right. right, there. All right, so I got him at a 51. I got him candlelit just above dumpster fire. You got him at a 50 dumpster fire. Hey, there you go. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but Tamar has some new music coming out, uh, May 15th, mm. called Root, I think, or The Root. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're having a listening session May 15th in Malibu. Hey,
4: can I, if it's okay with you, if I may ask this, uh, would you mind if I follow tomorrow?
2: <laughs> you follow her on what, Instagram? No, in public. <laughs> I gotta make sure I can get to Malibu. Near her? <laughs> Support the new music company. Oh from. man, I love her. Yeah. Alright, so we'll see you tomorrow.
0: just The right sign looking like it's my time Feeling all kinds of free. These words are abolition No regrets and things